0: Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for for Back to School Bash this Saturday. Uh, Man, it's It's one of the coolest things I think that Kingdom Builders does. Obviously, Kingdom Builders supports all of our global missionaries and local missionaries and future church expansion, all of those things. But all of these really um, one-on-one touchpoint events that we do are so special. And so... Yeah, I, I just echo what Barry said. Thank you for giving to Kingdom Builders. Thank you for being a part of that. Those who, who yearly pledge to Kingdom Builders to really make it what it is, or those of you who I think we had like a link, you, you know, you went online and you gave specifically to the event. I love that. It's it's the reason we're able to do so many things outside the walls, right? Or we're able to have those connections. So we love uh, the valley. We love, you know, God, what God's doing around the world. And we're really excited to be a part of that. And excited to see what happens Saturday, right? It's coming up. It's crazy. Um, If you're always like, how do I really get connected? How do I find out info and all those things? I want to encourage you, uh, if you've not downloaded the Church Center app, make sure to do that. Uh, Make sure to go on our website. You can see events. And then also make sure that you're getting our email and it's not going to your spam folder because all of this stuff with links, our team works really hard to put it together. Gianna does a great job. We send all that out. So if you need any of that info, just, just come let me know, and I would love, I'd love to help you with that. Come let me or Gianna know, and uh, we'd love to help you just really stay connected in uh, to what God's doing at your church. So, awesome. I think I saw Matt and Clarissa, I and ba- saw Clarissa's here, there she is, and baby Charlotte, right? She's chilling in the carrier, so I won't make you, but we're happy that you were here last week, but you snuck in, and it's like, so I didn't see you, but I love you. Um, just another announcement How how many of you guys know that we're moving eventually towards a brand new space amen I really want to honor Nino who was on drums here you were about to stand up but I caught you who has worked really tirelessly with us and fiercely for us uh, through some le- all this legal stuff that we've been navigating to get in the new space. So Nino has been really incredible. And uh, we know that we don't just fight a battle of flesh and blood. We fight a battle of the spirit. But we're thankful for the people who operate in the spirit and in truth, in the physical, who, who have wisdom and expertise. So I just want to honor Nino. He's one of our incredible board members. <laughs> Serves on our board. Slays it on the drums, but I love you, man. You're awesome. Been here, like, the longest, longer than me, so... But we're excited, in, in as we transition, we've been looking for a new location that's a little closer to our building, and so starting uh, August 6th, we're going to be in a new location called Carson Junior High School. And those of you who are anti-plastic chairs, you're about to be psyched, because it's a theater, uh, you know, space, so it's the comfy chair. So now you can invite that friend with, uh, you know, that doesn't like the, you were like, there's no way they're sitting on these plastic chairs. You can finally invite them because we, it's cushy for the tushy, right? Like, it's going to be good. They're going to be ready, right? It's going to be great. So, uh... August 6th, we're doing what's called a soft launch so that we as a team and everyone, all our, our church family, we can go in and we can uh, just just worship together and celebrate together and, and I don't know, see if anything's broke that we need to change how we're doing church. And then August 13th is the big kind of like official launch day. So August 6th is soft launch and August 13th is official launch in the new location. So August 6th is the what? And August 13th is the what? Official launch. Awesome. Uh, You're going to see shirts and signs and cards and all that kind of stuff to invite your neighbors and your friends or your enemies. I don't know, depending on how spiritual you are. And uh, we're just going to, we're going to pack that place out on the 13th, just believing God to move. Amen? Amen. Um, Before I jump into my message, I just kind of felt this week, like there's a sense of aligning our hearts that I really want to occur today. And I'll tell you, it's, it's totally detached from my sermon, which has a very bold headline. Um, but, but I think it's important in, in that it prepares our hearts for this moment. Because in case you haven't noticed, it's quite warm out, right? And maybe you're joining us online and you don't really know how warm it is. It's quite warm. And every year, it, for, in people's mind, it's the hottest year ever, And that, I mean, that could be true. But it's like everyone's surprised that it's hot in the valley. Like no one had Google before they moved here. Maybe you moved here before Google. You had a map. Remember maps? Right? And, uh, but every year, I personally am shocked by how hot it is. And in my shocked nature, I am enraged by the heat. And the heat makes every small thing more infuriating right? So if I was already in a bad mood, I'm like, I'm over it. Anyone else? Come on. Let's just, can we be real here? Right? Like if you were already like, maybe like, you know, you were like already a little frustrated at your kids. Now it's like you're frustrated and it's hot. You're like, get in. I've told you a hundred times. It's a hundred million degrees out here. Get in the car. You're just there yelling at them at Target. Right? Just me. Okay. Right? (laughs) Like get in the car. It's so hot. We're all going to die. Everyone's going to die. The earth is going to die. I'm leaving. I'm fleeing to the mountains. I never want to be here. Right? That, I feel that because the heat invokes in us a fight or flight response, right? But can I just tell you, believers, we were created and called to a life that's more than that. As believers, and I'm just saying everyone likes different climates, this has nothing to do with that, but as, as long as you're here, there's a sense of spiritual health and emotional health that needs to rise to the top, where we begin to not be tossed by the wind and the waves, for us it's heat, but we begin to endure and find joy even in tough times. And so if you're here and you're like me, right, I I, want to wait for a few days and I was coming back to the heat and I was like, like we're going to choose to have a good attitude about the heat, right? We're going to choose to be positive, right? You've done this self-talk. We're going to be positive. I get home. I go in my backyard. I'm like, oh, look at my chickens. I love you chickens. I go back inside. I come back out 20 minutes later, three of them dead. And I was like, this heat, right? (laughs) I'm back into it, right? Come on, Right? I'm back into it. And I just had to stop and say like, Lord, would you just still my heart and would you give me joy and would you renew my spirit? So I don't know if this is you, but I think we need this attitude before we go into this of just renewed spirits. So if you feel like some compounding frustration has been in your life, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe that God, even right now, you're weary, you're tired, you're frustrated, is just going to renew you supernaturally. It's still hot outside. I can't change that not praying the sun stands still. Maybe stands still at night, right? But what we can pray is that God would renew us, that he would give us fresh perspective, fresh joy, right, in our spirit. So if that's you, would you just bow your heads with me? In fact, everyone, if that's you and you're like, God, renew me today. Before we begin in the word, renew me. Would you just lift your hands with me? Just say, God, just renew me. I want to pray for you. God, I just pray over every life here this morning, a renewed spirit. God, it is so hot outside, God, but we know there are many reasons in our life that lead us to being frustrated, and so we give them all to you because we trust you. Give us a spirit of endurance. Give us a heart of renewal. Give us eyes to see, God, those who might even be suffering even more than us, God, how how we might speak your life into it. God, give us just supernatural renewal and energy and vitality and joy and peace right now. In the name of Jesus, we're called for more. So if we're frustrated, I just pray a release right now over your heart. If you're angry, I pray a release right now over your heart. If you're in fight or flight, I pray, I pray a peace over your heart right now. In the name of Jesus, may it be so. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, so let's talk about outrage. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, the other day I was on social media and uh, I was just scrolling through social media and the more I scrolled, the more frustrated I got. This is going to be a little bit of crowd interaction, because I need you to agree with me. So it doesn't just feel like me confessing what a piece of garbage I am in front of all of you for, an, for 30 minutes, okay? So little call and response here. Um, you can, you know, good or bad job, you can say whatever. That, that's terrible. I don't know. That's fine. But I was scrolling through social media, and I just found myself getting more frustrated. And it, they call it doom scrolling, right? We're just like scrolling through bad news. And to be honest, I wasn't looking for bad news, but I was on social media, and it's full of bad news, right? And like half the accounts I follow are like cows and dogs, right? It's like I try to keep it as neutral as possible, right? And it's like pastors, then like gardening, right? That, and motorcycles, that's it. And still, my feed was full of war, was full of conflict, was full of political foolishness. It was full of evil, right? See, here's the problem. In the age of media and social media dominance, we have access to information at a rate that I'm going to suggest is unhealthy. Every day... There is a barrage of evil flooding our inbox, and as it floods our our feed or our inbox or our screen, it also takes up space in our minds. And as believers, if you're a believer here, or I would say somebody who just has maybe even a strong sense of justice, you, you don't, you aren't sure yet where that comes from, but you have a strong sense of justice. When we see evil, we get outraged, probably justifiably so. But when we're outraged, I would say some of that outrage is justified, but a lot of that outrage is amplified. I was reading a study from Yale. It talked about social media, because for a long time, social media has claimed— and by social media, I mean the people who have created, operate, and manage social media platforms— have claimed that the goal is not to create division, problems, and outrage. And so Yale did a massive study on social media, looking at over 12 million posts in all different kinds of accounts. And what they found is that social media platforms actively encourage an increased level of anger and outrage. And they set up algorithms for the purpose of rewarding outrage. Rewarding being upset. And and so I'm I'm not saying this to say like it's a conspiracy I'm saying it's scientifically measured that social media works and functions to increase to amplify our outrage built into the fabric built into their strategy is the express intention of making you outraged some of you right now are thinking like I can't believe that I'm going to post about it later point proven So the data says that, but the creators also say that. When you watch interviews of people who have who have founded, created, built and managed social media, they understand what it means to manage people and manage their attentions. And so the creators of the data say, "Listen, the goal is that we we reward and we increase outrage, so much so that studies have found that people actually think that more people are more outraged than they actually are, and it becomes a, a, a fake but in many ways fulfilled loop of outrage where people are increasingly more upset all the time. And I got to be honest, I appreciate the data because that affirms something to me, but I don't think I needed the study to know that that was true, though it helps. And I'm not putting it on anybody, I'll put it on myself. I was watching videos on on Instagram, right? It's the like endless feed. And I'm just watching like towns I love in California. Like people send me videos from there. like, dude, people are breaking into businesses in our town and taking everything. It like makes me angry. Watching videos about like a podcast about hackers taking down a pedophile ring. Like it makes, it, I'm, I'm like feeling, right? anyone been there? Feeling angry? You're like, oh my gosh. Like there's so much evil. There's so many broken things out there. And it feels like we're in this space where there's no filter on what gets into our minds. So we get everything it doesn't matter if you're watching the news, talking with a friend at work around the water cooler, if you still go into an office, whatever it is, right, on social media. At some point, you will encounter evil. And especially if you encounter evil, you will have to do something with what you're feeling. So the question is, and what I pose today is, how do we respond to evil in a world of social media outrage? So I'm going to give us a, a few foundations. Let me give you two foundations of our conversation today. Is that okay? This is kind of more of a teaching. The first thing is, <laughs> the world is evil. That's the very first thing. The world is evil. And I know we're like, duh. But listen, we don't operate like, duh. We operate like, everything's fine. Right? Death isn't normal. That's a failure of science. It's like, nope. Death is a normal part of the world. In a broken world. And I know this isn't the most encouraging sermon point you've ever heard, but it's not the least encouraging sermon point I've given you probably this month. <laughs> We live in a culture that's like people are mostly good. They mostly do good things. Everybody's great. Everyone, you know, the, the natural end game of human uh, uh, progressive thought is it will establish man as the pinnacle of evolution. And he'll understand fully and completely how to operate, you know, you know him, himself and therefore be perfect in every way. And every philosopher who's had that idea has basically um, come to a tragic end. If I say a different version, it will get muted on YouTube. But Romans 3.10 says none is righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In this world, evil is prevalent. So there is an understanding we need to go in with, which is at some point I will encounter evil and that will make me feel something, right? At some point, at any day, you will encounter brokenness and it will make you feel something if you have any sense of justice in your heart. It might even make you angry. So the second foundation is that anger... Is an emotion with a choice. See, God created us to have emotions. And I don't have a full sermon to talk about emotions, but I will say emotions are important. But anger is one of those feelings, right? But it's a feeling with a choice. Because I feel something does not make me a sinner. See, my flesh, my mind operates. How I respond to how my flesh is operating is important. So if I see something and it begins to make me angry, how I respond to that feeling is a choice. Are you with me? Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. That's really interesting. It's important that we recognize that anger is an emotion, but avoid the pitfalls of anger, of enragement. Because Paul is making a distinction here between anger and sin. In other parts, Jesus is very explicit in saying, do not be angry in that context the the feeling and the action are interwoven in this context the feeling and the action are separate ideas that he's presenting to show how we operate based on how we feel so Paul is saying listen new believers in Ephesus there's going to be things that upset you that make you angry right you see something evil you're like somebody does something to you that hurts right Your your, your mind is going to respond. But what do you do when you respond? Paul says, do not sin. And and specifically, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give opportunity to the devil. How many of us have ever gone angry and allowed it to fester, Right? Right. Just it just it's in our mind. How many of you have ever had a fight with somebody, they didn't know you were fighting with them, but you've already had the conversation in your mind? You've won a couple, lost a couple, just depends on how vain you are, right? Right. You've gone through it before and they don't know, but they know. And when you see them, you think they know, they don't know, but they know in your spirit, so you stop coming to the church because you're angry at them because it's festered and it turns out it's just like they didn't even know they were talking to you. You're like, well, now I'm double angry because no one recognizes me here, right? And it just festers, right? This is what Paul is speaking to. He says, when you do that, you give an opportunity, or the word there is literally foothold for the, de- for the devil. He said, listen, believers, there's things that are going to happen that make you upset, that make you angry, but don't sin. Don't dwell in it. Don't give it a foothold. Are you with me? Because we actually see in Scripture there were times when Christ was angry and he acted upon it, but Christ was sinless, right? So if it's a sin to to act out anger, then would would he have been sinning? No, because what Jesus is doing is profoundly different than human anger and selfish anger. And there's really two main instances where he does this. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus heals on the Sabbath And Scripture says the Pharisees were mad that he healed somebody on the Sabbath, which is crazy. And it says in the Word of God, it says Christ looked at them with anger. He looked at them. He was angry at them. But specifically, what was he angry at about them? He said he looked at them with anger, and it says he was grieved by their hardness of heart. John 2, Jesus goes in the temple. John two fourteen says, In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, them specifically, Take these things away. Don't make my house, my father's house, a house of trade. And his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal, for your house will consume me. So Jesus was angry. He acted on his anger, and he whipped some folks. It's kind of intense, right? What was he doing here? Well, one, this is a very specific fulfillment of a prophecy that's occurring. So be careful. But two, this is what we would call righteous anger. Somebody say righteous anger. Righteous anger consists, in, and we we're doing a book for my small group, and this definition was in it, so I, I just pulled it right out of there. So men's small group, what's up? Righteous anger consists of getting angry at the things that anger God, and then seeking a proper remedy to correct the wrong. See, just because we get angry and are acting out doesn't always mean that we're flipping tables like Christ. I have seen too many sermons and too many social media posts justifying just honestly being ignorant and foolish, being like, Well, I'm flipping tables like Jesus. That's a bold claim to make. God, I'm doing what you're doing. You know, remember, He's going to judge, right? You're going on the record? Just saying, you better be sure, right? You better be sure before you hit post that you're really purifying the temple of God. Because remember, we're the temple. So maybe there's more tables that he would flip in here than on Facebook. we got to be careful how we justify anger. Righteous anger, if we want to operate in that, it requires an intimate relationship with God because we have to be certain that we're seeking God's heart for injustice and how He wants to respond. That, that we are going to respond, and we are going to understand that this sense of injustice that's stirring up within us, it needs to respond, but we want to respond as God responds, not just as our flesh responds. So I want to give you a couple ways to do that. You ready? How do we respond to evil in a world of social media outrage? Ready for number one? First is respond, don't react. It's really practical. The best response to evil is a response, not a reaction. Response is thoughtful. Reaction is emotional. When we encounter evil we begin to feel enraged, right? Where there's a sense of injustice that's occurring, right? But we don't just react out of emotion. We react with wisdom. James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And then in verse 26, he says, If anyone thinks he's religious, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. This can be difficult when we are faced with evil because we want to react because it is so wrong. And I think, that, that hear me say, I'm gonna tell you how to respond in a second, but uh, we're recognizing that there's something good within us that sees evil things and says, this is wrong, right? That sees, you know, I know there was a movie that just came out about Tim Ballard's life, right? And that, that in, in Jim Caviezel is in it and, it, and it stirs something, and people want to respond. And it's like, yes, good, respond to evil, right? Respond as a follower of Christ, but we don't just react, we respond. We need to take a breath. We need to take a second to focus our minds, to collect our words in a way that allows us to respond Evil requires the response of the righteous. So let's make it a good one, not a flippant one. Amen? Respond. Don't just react. Take the breath. Second, pray first and pray fiercely. Pray first and pray fiercely. Prayer is not an after It's not an afterthought. It is crucial in the spiritual battle against evil. That's why I'm saying pray first in priority, but pray fierce in authority because we need the kind of prayers that are going to make the enemy pee his pants. We don't need the like, God, if it's, you know, up to you or like whatever, then I don't know, maybe save these children from being horrifically abused. What kind of hot garbage is that? God, if it's, I've you been to a prayer service. Lord, if it's your will, let your healing, how about just like be healed and then let him decide? It's not up to you anyways. Stop taking the credit or the blame, Right. <laughs> We need fierce prayers. We need the kind of prayers that call on the glory of God to be revealed. That's how prayer works. It dictates the posture of our heart. I was thinking of even small experiences. I was thinking of being at my in-law's house. And uh, my father in law are, are very similar. And then everyone else in the house is different. And so usually what I'll hear is a conversation between my father-in-law and my brother-in-law. And then I'll just see it, see his eyes and go like, and then just keep going, right? (laughs) I'm not getting involved, right? I'm not getting involved with this convo. I know it's not going anywhere, and I know I need a pillar of fire in this scenario, and I didn't bring any with me. So, but what happens is it, like, is in my brain, right? Right? And I like start running through conversations in my brain of what I could say. It lives there. Maybe I just hear it on the news. They always have the news going. I just hear it in the news. Right now it's in my brain. Now I can't unhear it. Now I'm rehearsing responses. But I thought like what would change in that moment if I just began to pray? If I hear something or I encounter something that's evil or frustrating, or I would say it was counter to the kingdom... And immediately, like Psalm 40 or 34 says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them. If I begin to pray for those who were victims of that situation to say, God, would you deliver them from their trouble? or maybe to go a step further, Further, what if I begin to pray for the perpetrators, like 1 Timothy 2 says, he says, to pray for those who are in charge, that they would be transformed and come into the knowledge of truth. God, I pray for that person that they drive me crazy. I don't understand why people voted for them, but I pray right now that they would come into alignment with your will, because there's nothing that you can't do. I pray you would restore and renew them. I pray they would have the knowledge of truth. I pray for a spirit-filled president of this country. I begin to pray and believe. God, I pray for a spirit filled mayor. I pray for a spirit filled governor. God, maybe they they do know you. I pray you would strengthen them, God. I pray you would give them wisdom, bring people around them who can encourage them. What if I begin to pray for a Christ like response, right? Matthew 5, he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How, I, I, there's just times I gotta pray and it's gotta change my heart. Lord, help me respond to this well. If I'm gonna respond and not react, I need you, Holy Spirit, because I'm about to react all up in this barbecue, right? The family's about to know <laughs> how I feel. It's like, Lord, help me. Help me to respond. Help me to respond. I wanna encourage you. The very first response is to Pray. See something on social media? Right there on the toilet, guys. Just pray. I know that's what you're doing in there anyways for 30 minutes, right? Just pray. You're already there. Your kids are somewhere else. Your wife's going crazy because she hasn't seen you in 25 minutes. Just pray. You're in there. Maybe we'd see God move. If all the men in this nation put their phones down in the bathroom and committed the same amount of time to prayer, the greatest revival that the world has ever known would spring forth. Oh, man. Some of you aren't married. You don't know what I'm talking about. But you will. You will. That's where we go to escape. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Collective groan. All right. All right. We're back on. Third thing. Practice listening to the Holy Spirit. So I think what you heard me say is listen to the Holy Spirit. But I said practice listening to the Holy Spirit. That word is important. Practice. See, we live in a world that doesn't know truth. In fact, Scripture says they've abandoned truth for a lie. And not only do they not believe in truth now, this is wild to me, now truth is hate speech. I've had legitimate conversations with people who say, if you push that there is absolute truth, that is hate speech against me. I'm from Seattle. But here's what we need to know. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and also we as believers are called to speak truth. Ephesians 14 says, Speak truth in love. We're to grow into every way into Him who is the head into Christ. So the Holy Spirit is truth, and the Holy Spirit reveals truth, who are called by him to speak truth, that means we should probably practice listening to the one who's gonna reveal truth to us. To listen to the one who speaks truth. And so to listen to the one who speaks truth, I just wanna encourage us to practice listening. We have to practice being still and practice waiting on him to speak. That's how we do that in services. Right? We, we wait and we listen. You're like, what are we waiting for? We're, we're, we're practicing together, waiting and listening on the Holy Spirit. Waiting for him to speak prophetically into his church. But you can also do that at home. You can do that in the car. You can just wait upon the Lord. Take time to be still, be in the word, be in prayer dwell with God and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you and understand just like anything you practice you will likely not be an expert or perfect at it to begin with. But if you don't practice you likely will not grow in the practice of it. I've been taking my son to soccer and I gotta say to start real bad at soccer like real bad yeah he's amazing He showed up. If you've seen my son, you know all the kids on his team are like, yeah, we're going to be good. (laughs) And then they saw him, and they were like, okay, he's got some growth barriers, right? I love him. (laughs) But as it goes and as he practices, he's getting good. He's getting better. (laughs) He's getting good for a five-year-old, you know. But if you didn't practice, you wouldn't get better. I want to encourage you, just practice waiting and listening to the Holy Spirit. Next thing is, okay, we've waited and listened, we prayed. Advocate for truth with the character and the mission of God. Okay, I'm going to say some things here. Gone are the days of Christians letting culture pass them by, right? Like, well, it doesn't matter. It's just, we just do our thing. That, those days are gone. If you still think you're a dominant people group in the country, you're blind, right? Now is the time that we as believers must advocate for the truth of the Word of God. I was speaking with someone recently, and they said, why why do you care what someone else does? It's their life. It doesn't affect you. And I have three massive problems with that that I'm going to now tell you. One. The actions of an individual are not isolated to themselves because every individual is a part of a collective community. And what you do, no matter how small you think, does actually functionally have an effect on the lives around you. What you do or do not do... The second reason I think that's a problematic thinking, I just leave people, what does it matter if we speak? What does it matter if we stand up, let them do? Is that truth is worth advocating for by the virtuous nature that it is truth, right? Like, I don't want us to poison streams, even if I never drink from them, because nature has a value. Truth also has a value, right? It has a value, and it ought to be defended because truth is worth it. It's worth being preserved. And finally, and most importantly, why do we advocate for truth? Because only truth will set us free. Lies do not set people free. You can get every kind of cliche and a yard sign and stick it right in the front of your yard all you want. That will not set a single person free. You can feel as butterfly and, and foofy about your creative ideas for everybody, but if it's not God and it's not true, it's not freedom. It's just tragic. Hellbound patronizing because we don't have the guts to speak the truth of God to the people that God loves. We're too afraid of suffering or we're too ill practiced in listening to the Holy Spirit that when the moment comes up, we either respond poorly or not at all. But listen, only truth sets people free. We must speak truth, but we also hear me. This is the second part. Don't just hear the first part and tune out. Second part, we must do it as ambassadors of Christ. That's being clothed in the character and the mission of Christ portion. We have to be clothed in God's character, in in the character of Christ. And we have to speak truth, living in God's will. Here's two good questions to ask. Does my response, not my reaction, my response, reflect the character of Christ? Does my response look like Jesus? Not do people think it looks like Jesus, because I've had many people say, well, Jesus would never. I'd be like, well, tell me where it says that in the Word of God. like, well, I've never read the Word of God. I'm like, well, you don't know what Jesus looks like, so why are you telling me? But we as believers, we must look and say, does my response look like Jesus? Colossians 3 invites us as believers, says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Hear that? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. See, the same Christ who was firm with the truth and deeply committed to his mission and spoke the word unashamedly was also a servant, was also meek, was also patient, and also suffered all the way to the cross for people who would spit on him and who would hate him. And he turned to us and said, you should do the same thing. We're like, I wonder what he means by that. Probably that. He's like, love your enemies. You're like, I wonder who he's talking about. Let's do a four-part sermon on who's your enemies. Like, you don't know. <laughs> Let's go to your blocked list on Instagram. <laughs> okay, first thing. Second thing, does my response actively work to further the kingdom and mission, mission of God? Sometimes, my mommy say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. I gotta say, if you're not saying it to further the kingdom, maybe zip your lip. I got enough meetings already. Does it preach the gospel in action? Sometimes the gospel offends. Listen, often the gospel offends. I've learned as a preacher, there's two kinds of messages that I can preach. The really easy ones or the gospel ones. But it's like, does my response honor the Lord? 1 Peter 3 says, In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do it, With gentleness and respect, ask, is my response furthering the kingdom by glorifying God? Okay, I got two more. Ready? After this, what do you do? How do we respond? We engage in kingdom business. Somebody say kingdom business. Are you getting tired of hearing about all the evil in the world? All right, let me give you what to do. Shift from enraged to engaged. If you're just sick and tired of feeling like evil gets the press here, I'm going to tell you what to do this week. You ready? Come and serve at the back-to-school bash. In fact, if you're really angry— If you're really angry, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go home after this. You're going to call up any place around you that cuts hair or any cool auntie or anyone around your neighborhood who cuts hair, and you're going to say, listen, auntie, we're doing this event. I need you to come out, bring your scissors, and come and cut hair of kids. We got 120 kids registered. We have six people who are going to cut hair. That is... Ridiculous! Come out, cut some hair. And then what you're going to do is you're going to, she's going to go, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You're going to say, yep, yeah, here's the details because you've already signed up to serve because you love the Lord. And you're going to say, listen, come out and, and I'll be there. And then you're going to hang up and then you're going to email me at josh at banner.church and say, listen, pastor, I have my auntie. She's going to come out. She's going to cut hair. Or I called super cuts and some guy named Gary's coming out and he's bringing his blades. Right? <laughs> We won't know if it's rollerblades or haircutting tools, but we'll take either. But you're just tired of evil. You're tired of doom scrolling. You, if you look at your screen time, take that amount of screen time you spent for that day and use it to call up people to come out and change a kid's life. Listen, go into your neighborhood. Find ways where you can bring the compassion of Christ to people around you. See, if you were actually angry, you do something about it. Engage in kingdom work. You're like, I can't be there. Give extravagantly. Go online. Go to banner.church slash give. There's like, Gianna made this cool drop down. Boom, boom. Right there. Like, I don't know what to do, but I could give $200 to get almost 20 backpacks to give to kids so that their life will be transformed. Let's put God in the headlines. Let's stop sharing and posting and reposting all of this other garbage and ourselves by the feet and the hands and the brains and the abilities and the finances that he gave us just set this thing on fire for the kingdom. See, some of us, God has a headline for your neighborhood that he is waiting for you to be fed up enough with evil that you will go out and begin to write He's got a thing that's going to rest over your neighborhood. Somebody you need to get this. You thought you moved there for you, but God brought you there so that you can begin to set up a headline over your neighborhood. This family restored. This life changed. These people renewed. He's called you there because you have a purpose in your life. He's called you to that apartment block. He's called you to that street. See, this is why it doesn't matter where we meet on Sundays because your small group and you still meet somewhere in around your home, hopefully. Romans 12 says, don't Be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. And Galatians 6 says, let's not grow weary of doing good because in the right time, we're going to reap a harvest. You're like, I haven't seen the headline yet. Listen, it's not harvest time. Our job is to operate in kingdom business. Man, sow something. Let that fire burn. Let it inconvenience you. Let it inspire you. Let it renew you. Let it hurt some days but still choose a Get up and do it. Let that relationship go through its ups and downs. Seed into that family. Why? Because that's how we overcome our outrage at evil. As we become engaged with God's kingdom. If you feel angry at evil, it's time to connect with hurting people and see lives changed. still with me? Serious, back to school this Saturday. Let's make it happen. Fast to regain balance. I like this one. Fast to regain balance. If you're feeling out of balance, listen, it's time to fast. Fasting is a way we align our hearts with the heart of God. It's how we actively participate in rest as an act of worship that also balances our life. Psalm 46, the writer says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know. Fasting forces stillness into our life so that we can know. We live in an overstimulated and an oversaturated world. And so we have to begin to use not only good discernment on what we're allowing into our heart, but we have to limit our exposure to harmful content. We have to limit our, we have to make that self-discipline choice. Psalm 101.3, the writer says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly and will have nothing to do with them. Some of us, it's time to take a break for the sake of balance. Instead of social media, instead of doom scrolling, instead of news, try calling a friend. Try reading a book. Uh, I recommend the Bible. Or that book for your small group that you read the night before. Maybe give yourself a couple days now. Spend time in nature. Go out. Nature declares the glory of God. Maybe don't go out here, but like, you know, drive an hour and a half and go out. It declares the glory of God. Okay, finally, band, you can come up guys so with me. This is my final point, how we respond. Trust in God's sovereignty. This is final, but it's foundational. If you don't do this, the rest of them don't really make sense. See, as believers, it is important to remember God's promise to bring justice in His timing. Romans twelve nineteen says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. See, God is the ultimate judge, church. It's his wrath that will judge the earth. And this is really for my, like, strong sense of injustice, people. Like, you have a strong sense of justice. When justice is not being fulfilled, you're like, I I can't handle this, right? Here's Here's my cue for you. Take a breath. God's got it. Strong sense of injustice, people. I'm not saying not be active. Remember, that was the point before. Be active. In your activity, recognize that God is actually still sovereign. This is one of the most crucial steps, because when we trust in God's sovereignty, we have peace knowing that we don't uh, need to do His job for Him. We just need to do what He's called us to do. We need to do what he has called us to. We pray fervently. We respond boldly. We work passionately to sing the kingdom of God advance. But at the end of the day, we have to trust in God and his sovereignty and his authority. You will not argue your friend into heaven. You will not work your family into heaven. You will not work away all evil on the earth. Only Christ will come and wipe away all the evil on the earth. So as we are walking out and responding and living kingdom, our job is to listen to God, to obey his leading, and then trust him because he is God because he is God. We trust him in our family, though they're saying the most ridiculous things that we don't agree with, but I trust God, you are God and you can make a way. We trust him in our city. Maybe we don't agree in our city or our country with the way things are going in our world. We say, God, I'm gonna actively participate in your kingdom and your kingdom work, but I trust that you are God that you're God in my city, that you're God in my family, that you're sovereign over it all. And so I will not be worried. I will not be afraid. I will not be anxious. I will not be enraged. I'm just gonna be engaged into what you have and I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. Respond, don't react. Pray first and pray fiercely. Practice listening to the Holy Spirit. Advocate for truth with the character and mission of Christ. Engage in kingdom business. Fast if you need to regain balance and trust in God's sovereignty. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to invite you to, to bow your heads here. We're going to do two things. you just all bow your heads with me. I, I do a salvation call. where We teach on tithing. I'll do a salvation call because I really believe just like our mission statement says that there's freedom and power in a new life in Christ for every person, every person who would say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You're you're new, you're newer here. Maybe you've been here a long time, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And in so doing, felt the freedom and the confidence that comes from knowing Him. If that's you here, and you wanna make that decision today to say yes to Jesus, I'm gonna encourage you just a second to raise your hand. I wanna pray for you. But I wanna invite you, everything I've said here about peace amidst an evil world can only come through Jesus Christ. So if you're here and you're saying, yes, today is the day, this is my day, that I'm gonna say yes to Jesus. I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Would you do me a favor? Would you lift your hand up really high? You're saying yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I wanna pray this morning. Lord, we thank you that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we rejoice in Jesus' mighty name that everyone who says, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior, comes into your fold, into your flock, and there is salvation and there is life for them. And we celebrate you in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Here's what I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for your heart today, every person here. I wanna pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God would place you at peace amidst an evil world and that he would embolden you to engage in acts of compassion. I believe this morning that wherever there is anger in your spirit, God is gonna to begin to remove it and he's gonna to begin to place a joy of the Lord upon you that begins to see the world as a place for God's kingdom to interact and intersect, to bring life and love, that you're all of a sudden gonna shift this morning supernaturally in your heart as you surrender from just going through every day, just feeling honestly upset, angry, or enraged at the world around you. And you're gonna shift into a posture by the Holy Spirit that begins to look with life and with joy and with possibility. So if you're just, just stay in that posture with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Here's how I want to respond today. And again, the band's going to lead us in a second. So you can feel free to come up to pray, whatever, whatever you need to do to respond. But this is the response is if you're here and that rings true for you, you're like, yes, I want by the power of the Holy Spirit, that God would place me at peace, that he would embold- embolden me to speak truth and that I would engage in compassion, that maybe where there is anger or bitterness, it would be removed and that there would be the joy of the Lord there full Of the Spirit this morning. Would you just lift your hands? I want to pray for you this morning. God, see your church this morning. Just lift your hands up like a real hand raise, like unbend the elbows, shoot them up here this morning. God, I'm here for you. This is what I need. This is what I need. Maybe in your family, you've just been frustrated. You've been maybe even a little angry. Maybe uh, in your community, whatever it is. I want to pray for you right now. And I believe as we're all praying together with our hands raised together. I'm with you right here. My hands are raised. We're all surrendering together. As that happens, I believe that the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to release bitterness and give joy to your heart right now. Holy Spirit, you see these people with their hands raised right now who are saying, Jesus, along right now for the Holy Spirit to grant me peace, even in an evil world, that I would be full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. And as I face the things of the world, that I would not be enraged, but I would be so deeply engaged with you, Holy Spirit. I would know when to speak and how to speak, that I wouldn't be in a place of anger, that I wouldn't be scrolling through angry, but my heart would be broken like your heart, Jesus, for the brokenness of the world. And that I would pour out as you fill me up, and I would see lives change. I just pray right now, every piece of anger every place of bitterness we say Jesus we surrender it to you wherever you are you need to say this right now some of you you think you're just observing he's called you to participate in this right now whatever it is you say Jesus I give it to you I surrender it to you I lay it at your feet and then we say right now Holy Spirit we receive the joy of the Lord we receive the joy of the Lord every bitterness gone I speak over your life right now by the power of the Holy Spirit every piece of anger gone, released right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray the joy of the Holy Spirit upon you, the joy of the Lord upon you. Some of you, you're still trying to hold on to it because it's part of your identity because you don't have quite enough faith yet to believe that it's possible to overcome. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, build their faith right now. Holy Spirit, build your faith right now. And I pray in exchange of anger for joy and in exchange of bitterness for rejoicing in the name of Jesus. Just stay where you are. You right here, you and Jesus, you and the Holy Spirit, begin to just worship Him and say, God, I give you everything. God, I lay everything at your feet and watch as He begins to transform your heart. Worship team, would you just lead us as we seek the Lord together? Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.